mindcoolness.com. Ah! Let's get at it. This is Dom from mindcoolness.com. And yeah, this is my very first podcast, so don't expect much from it. I'm really just gonna read a few blog posts actually, so, so I thought I'm just gonna read the four blog posts I posted in June. Uh, it's not gonna be fun, it's not gonna be tremendously interesting because it's not gonna be any new content. I'm really just gonna read what I've yeah written about in June. So yeah, let's get right into it. The first well, no, let's just give a quick overview over what I'm going to talk about today. First, how to write a to-do list that works. Then an installment of my uh, Path to Mindfulness series entitled Knowing the Heart. And yeah, why you can't shame yourself into self-control. And finally, consider this when you don't feel like it. So some advice and some studies and yeah, let's just write, jump right into it, right? How to write a to-do list that works. I've been using to-do lists for almost a decade now and my lists have continually evolved. So they've become pretty effective, though for the most part, just simpler. And here's the blueprint that I use and that you can use too. I call it the mindfulness to-do list. It starts with a trigger habit followed by a primary priority that's split up into three partial goals and then follows a secondary and yeah, a tertiary priority. For your primary priority should be the first thing you do in the morning. It should, should fulfill your great vision for the day, your answer to the question, which completed goal would feel, make you feel the most accomplished. But before you jump into working on your number one priority, complete a little task. Do a breathing exercise, do three sets of pull-ups or push-ups or burpees, or take a cold shower. This task, which shouldn't take longer than three minutes, will be your trigger habit, after which you attack your number one goal. It will set the proper mood, get your body-mind in the right state and automatize your behavior. After just a few days of ritualizing this, you'll do it without conscious effort and smoothly proceed to the important action. So. Yeah, just you do something that's somehow related to your body, to your body minds to warm it up. It could even be brewing a coffee or a pot of tea, but actively doing some exercises like breathing or physical exercises or taking a shower will be even more effective. Now, yeah, as I already yeah, said, you should always divide your primary goal into at least three sub goals three milestones you want to achieve because this way you won't get intimidated by even gigantic workloads the less you hesitate the more you can kill your priorities two and three may contain sub goals as well and if you work from home just put your 
to-do list on a whiteboard or write it on a piece of paper that you put somewhere where you see it often or a poster or what have you. And finally, stick to these three principles whenever you write a to-do list. First, specify all items as clearly, precisely and time-bound as possible. Second, never put more than three main items on the list. They should in total amount to no more than 75% of your available time. And third, thirdly, write the list before you go to bed. So your brain prepares itself for the tasks while you sleep. Make sure you always check off all items. If you're uncertain whether you can, can, if you're uncertain, fuck, I can't speak English anymore. If you're uncertain whether you can accomplish all tasks, create a shorter list. Failing to achieve uh, daily goals is a disastrous habit you must avoid at all costs. Do risk, but do not desensitize yourself to failure. Now, pass to mindfulness, number five, knowing the heart. When you're angry, don't think about your anger. Don't think about who angers you. Watch the waves of anger moving through your body as you breathe. Know your heart, not your heart's thoughts. When you're sad, don't think about your sadness. Don't think about what saddens you. Listen to the sound of sadness in your body as you breathe. Know your heart, not your heart's thoughts. When you're afraid, don't think about your fear. Don't think about how to deal with it. Smell the scent of fear leaving your body as you breathe. Know your heart, not your heart's thoughts. You are your body, and yet you live in your mind. Know your heart, not your heart's thoughts. Now let's move on to the topic of why you can't shame yourself into self-control. So people say stuff like, yeah, if I ate these donuts, I'd feel so ashamed of myself. I better not eat them. Or if I skipped working out today, I'd feel so ashamed of myself. I better get my ass to the gym. But can anticipating shame actually help you stay strong and disciplined? Vanessa Patrick and her colleagues conducted an experiment to investigate how effective anticipated prime, pride and shame are for self-control. In their study, 95 participants sat at a desk in front of a large piece of rich chocolate cake. All they had to do was to record their occurring thoughts while they could eat as much or as little cake as they desired. For group one, the control group, that was all. Group two was additionally instructed to anticipate how much shame they'd feel if they ate the cake. And those in group three had to anticipate how much pride they'd feel if they resisted eating the cake. Did anticipating pride or shame influence how much cake people ate? Yes, it did. 40% of pride-primed subjects completely resisted the cake, 
but only 10.5% of shame prime, prime subjects, which was less than the 18.8% of the control group. Moreover, pride prime subjects ate significantly less cake, took fewer bites and ate with more composure as compared to all the others. Therefore, imagining pride improved self-control while imagining shame didn't help at all. To find out the reason why, researchers looked at the recorded thoughts that occurred to the subjects while they ate or resisted the cake. Pride prime subjects not only felt more controlled, they also so thought about themselves and their goals rather than about the cake. By contrast, the others thought mostly about the tempting cake. It thus seems not to be a matter of the positive versus negative feelings associated with pride versus shame, but to be a matter of mental focus, attention on the self versus attention on the temptation. To test this hypothesis, a second study had 105 people do the same experiment, with the only difference being that half of them had a mirror in front of them. The mirror served to manipulate attentional focus on the self. For pride prime subjects who were already focused on themselves, nothing changed. Shame prime subjects, however, had significantly higher self-control when they could see themselves in a mirror. In general, those sitting in front of a mirror consumed less cake than those with lower self-focus. This means that shame is worse for willpower than pride, not because it feels bad, but because shame tends to direct your attention to whatever tempts you, while pride makes you focus on yourself, thereby increasing self-control. There are three practical lessons you can take away from this study. First. When you need more self-control, focus on yourself and on your goals. Second, when you're tempted, imagine the pride you'll feel upon your resistance, not the shame upon your failure. And third, put little mirrors at places where you tend to succumb to temptation. For example, on your fridge or on your liquor cabinet. Because mirrors increase your self-focus, your self-focus increases your self-discipline, your self-control. And now to the final article. Consider this when you don't feel like it. So what we got here. So basically there are two types of motivation. You got a motivational baseline that connects you with your true will, with what you truly want to do and what you want to achieve from a long-term perspective. And then you have your motivational feelings that help you actualize your true will in the present moment or in a shorter term perspective. Your motivational baseline is high when you generally love what you do. So when you're passionate about something, then you have a high motivational baseline. Your, and your motivational feelings are strong when you feel driven to take action right now. Now, to build your motivational baseline, you need to discover your true will first. You can discover your true will, passion, purpose in life by answering some questions about yourself. What did you enjoy doing as a kid? Who inspires you deeply and what makes this person so amazing? 
Is there a thematic pattern in the books you've been reading throughout your life? Is there a thematic pattern in the bookmarks you've saved in your browser? What about the videos you favorited on YouTube? Which activities would make your day so great that you could repeat the same day over and over and over again? Knowing yourself and your true will is crucial for your willpower. To keep going when times are tough, when your momentum is gone, and when emotion, motivational feelings are sparse. That's where you need yeah, to know your true will, to fuel your ambition and willpower. Now, to optimize your motivational feelings in the present moment, you have to um, not only optimize your environment, that's going to be a topic for another podcast, but you also need to take care of your body-mind. So whenever you absolutely don't feel like doing something, consider how you've been treating your body-mind or your mind-body complex lately. Did you nourish it with enough fresh water, steaks, eggs and vegetables? Did you vitalize it with meditation and exercise? Did you overfuel with caffeine? Did you give yourself enough time to rest and sleep? And even in this very moment, look at your body posture. Look at how it allows you to move, how it allows you to breathe, and how it allows you to think. Although you can easily manipulate your motivational feelings by changing how you treat your body-mind, you don't want to rely on them to get shit done. Because motivational feelings are overrated. Motivational feelings fluctuate. If you wait for them to take you from start to finish, you won't achieve most of your goals. The fire of motivation gets you started by igniting a powerful momentum, but discipline gets the job done by helping you keep up the momentum and keep moving when you feel stuck. When you've lost momentum and your motivational feelings are feeble, only willpower can help you get back on track. To empower your will, remember, if you, change, if you don't change now, you won't change later. If you don't feel like it now, you won't feel like it later. If you're weak now, you'll be weak later. You won't be less stressed tomorrow, next week or next month. You won't have more energy tomorrow, next week or next month. You won't have more motivation tomorrow, next week or next month. You won't have more willpower tomorrow, next week or next month. Unless you discipline yourself now. If you choose to wait until it feels right, you choose failure. Still, adopting a more powerful mindset doesn't always do the trick. In that case, use this simple method to jumpstart your willpower momentum. This method of just taking one little step. Because you can always work on a boring project or study a boring subject for 15 minutes. You can always energize your body with exercise for 10 minutes. You can always refresh your focus with meditative breath observation for 5 minutes. You can always get into a more social state by talking to one sexy lady 
in public. Allow yourself to quit afterwards. You will find that getting started is usually enough to put you in a momentum that makes you completely forget about quitting. If not, that's fine too. Quit without shame. Doing what's hard for you every single day, no matter for how long, maintains your goal focus, improves your self-control skills and gives you the opportunity to set in motion a powerful willpower momentum, regardless of your motivational feelings. What's there to lose in 5, 10 or 15 minutes? You either get into a positive momentum that makes you continue with ease or you're at, you've at least done something and not wasted time idly thinking about it. How hard is it to focus for 15 minutes on a goal that's important to you? Set a timer on your phone. After 15 minutes you may quit or continue. Do whatever you want. You've already exercised your discipline. You've already used your motivational baseline to free yourself from your dependence on motivational feelings. Yeah, so that's that. These were my four blog posts that I've written in yeah, June 2016. This was my first podcast. As I said, yeah, it was just a yeah, reading of some podcasts, no new content here. Thanks for listening to it. If you actually yeah, listen to the whole thing and if you skipped forward, well, thanks for <laughs> checking out the ad, however interesting it may be. Yeah, so I'm really gonna try to improve this podcast I'm doing. I have no fucking clue actually how to yeah, really do them. But yeah, I'm just gonna jump into the cold water and learn to swim and learn to breathe as I'm doing it. Yes, so that's 20 minutes and it should be enough for my first podcast. I'm really, yeah, I really wanna do long podcasts like Joe Rogan or Jocko and sometimes Tim Ferriss, but just talking along, along what? Alone for more than an hour or even more than half an hour is too insane and who wants to hear someone talk all alone for such a long period of time so that i'll only do that once i have some guests or some questions to answer and shit like that so yeah that's it down from mindfulness.com checking out see ya